on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III, and I'm going through it today. Are you? Uh, Why? I'm Louis Fertel. Oh, yeah, I'm Ida Osman. Yeah, what's wrong, Ira? <laughs> I got my booster yesterday. Oh, oh. boosted. I know. Finally. Mm-hmm. Mm. I also got my booster, but by that I mean Lady Gaga got snubbed at the Oscars, and I am <laughs> disease-free and electrified and supercharged. Sounds like a hater. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mine getting boosted would be Beyonce getting her first nomination, but I love to see that you thrive off negativity. That's the Lewis angle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. I am happy for Beyonce. I, I don't mean to de-emphasize that, but what kind of, I mean, th- w- this is literally what the episode is about today. I don't mean to start this we conversation wait, yeah. early, but God. Penelope Cruz and Nicole Kidman took out the trash today, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> This Oscar segment is totally going to be for you. Once I saw these nominations, I was like, this year I might not even watch. I don't even know if I'm tuning in. How about okay, that? Okay. Well, I am Penelope Cruz Hive. Um, yes, I'm on the Hive. So I'm watching for her. Uh, I'm not one of the people who are, I'm not one of the people who is rooting um, incessantly for Nicole Kidman. Um, but we'll get to that mm-hmm. as well. Let's just say Gaga is down bad. <laughs> I, I I am down bad from Angel Booster and Black History Month is down bad. Yeah, blacks as a whole, we're down bad. You yeah. know, so we're gonna talk about all that shit. And I'm gonna confront you two on what you've done to help. Okay. So just be prepared for that. <laughs> Frankly, you two the band it's your or fault. like Bono or people? <laughs> what is- you, that, that, Aida and you. Yes. Oh, yeah. got you, got you. The two of us. I was like, yeah. I, I have questions for Bono Month. also, but yeah. <laughs> uh, how to dismantle a Black History Month. <laughs> <laughs> a free song on iTunes coming from you. <laughs> well, if that isn't enough, uh, we're also joined this week by Nicole Byer. And yes. I have to apologize for not being there. I intended to be there, and then I got stuck on a segment at work, so Ira had to do the heavy lifting on this one. I've wanted her on this podcast for so long, and I'm finally, I'm sure she delivers. I can't wait to listen. You know, it was just a chat between me and her, us sisters. Oh, sure. <laughs> actors on actors. Yeah. I also yes. wasn't there, but I would say that out of the, like, the last, the dying breed of comedians that are left she's the only one that is delightful i don't think there's any more delightful comedian so i really appreciate nicole's existence in the world yeah there's like a deep chasm of cynicism and i'm tired about the rest of the world and yep. she's not i'm tired hive mm, so you know you know what i would say about nicole Byer is she takes us through a cheerful fun house instead of a spooky mental haunted house I thought oh, you were wow. saying pink lyrics for a moment. Like, I really <laughs> was scrambling. Are you going to advocate on behalf of elephants now? Yeah. <laughs> but now it's full of evil clowns. What's next? <laughs> but this was a Whitney Cummings tweet reference, which we will get to momentarily. All right, so why don't we just get this show started then? Let's we'll be it. back with more Keep It. 
Well, the first week of Black History Month is off to a great start. We only on week one? <laughs> week huh? one. Week one, bitch. First <laughs> of all, we got video of Joe Rogan saying nigga more times than a Tarantino script. <laughs> now, why is this, like, brand new to me? I had no idea this was same, part of his thing. Same, same. As an avid listener, too, <laughs> I had missed it. Well, I think a lot and of I, the clips, too, are from, like, you know, the early Joe Rogan experience days, but uh, still new, mm-hmm. but definitely before the last five years. And thank you, Miss India Ari, for being, like, the J-store of racism. I know. Yeah. I was going to say, why, why is she my news now? <laughs> India Ari coming through... Uh, She's not the average girl from the audio editor. Because <laughs> she is a queen. Sometimes I post uh, Joe Rogan saying, nigger, just say I won't. <laughs> like, she really is. Takes strength, courage, and wisdom. <laughs> wow, you've done your homework on India. I'll read it. Okay. <laughs> the three songs that I know by her. I don't really think Aida and I got into um, the Joe Rogan experience until after Shelley Long left. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I, I don't right. know the nigger era. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that was in his past. And that's what people have a past. Okay. okay. After, after Coach died, it was never the same. No. <laughs> um, we've yeah. got we've got Aquafina apologizing for using a black scent out of nowhere. Yeah. Wait, yeah. No. So nothing nothing spurred that. She nothing started was... this. She started this herself. She must got a movie coming. We just wait till the promo rolls out because we've been begging for this accountability since before the farewell days and we received nothing. All I know is whenever there's a black sense story, you know, Fergie has to go into hiding for another three months. So <laughs> if, if you thought she was coming back out, you got to wait again. Uh, people in the place, if you want to get down, I am leaving the building. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, we've got Fendi Way Newton. All up in the mess. Mm-hmm. We've got book bands. We've got. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just <laughs> jump right into the first Black History Month um, crisis? Great. Mm. Thank you, is, Super Nanny. Yes. Which is we just <laughs> talked about Joe Rogan last week. I feel like we talk about him every week, and there's still there's no developments. There have been absolutely no developments. He was well, never he, a main character on this podcast though until like this year. No, <laughs> now he's like the the pop culture main character person, and he's not somebody you experience in movies or TV or whatever. So you can just easily ignore him. It's not even like audio clips appear on Twitter from him all the yeah. time. It's just the super fans have taken over. Like the de- the defensiveness about him has taken over. So you inevitably have to talk about him and then you don't even get to talk about news radio which is like the one rad thing he ever did (laughs) yeah i feel like he is a topic on this show more than like he's a guest co-host more than i am we are constantly (laughs) oh no joe rogan joe rogan wow the ratings do not agree (laughs) (laughs) joe rogan i like i went through the whole story now and have seen the video took me forever to find it's if his whole team scrubbed all of google but luckily twitter still exists so i found the video i watched it very painful to get through but then you know he apologized retracted all of his statements spotify deleted a bunch of his videos it's kind of like we've hit this point this inflection point in cancel culture council culture whatever you want to call it accountability culture where it's like they know what steps they need to do and then it's over and it's totally over and there's nothing that's lost and everything is accomplished like the boxes have been checked off you know i think enough people have pointed out that we've reached the tipping point where money is more important and also i would argue the 
political discourse in this country has gotten to the point where, you know, like if you have a president announcing his candidacy by coming down a gold elevator calling Mexicans rapists and drug dealers, <laughs> you know, like oh. like any sort of like uh, accountability is out the window. Like when you think about Don Imus calling Rutgers players um, nappy headed hoes. Mm hmm. Like, and now you've just got, like, Joe Rogan, like, on, like, his nigger world tour. And <laughs> it's, like, there is there is no accountability here. You know, like, he would have been fired for this, like, a decade yeah. ago. Yeah, it was like counting the Zs in the Xenon movie. I don't know if any of you guys are up to that. You're right. The the p- People talk all about how cancel culture is taking over, but actually the cleanup culture has gotten very efficient. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I blame the pine saw lady. Yeah, you should. (laughs) (laughs) She really made cleaning up seem like a lot of fun. Like, I'm going to really enjoy scrubbing this range today. (laughs) Scrubbing bubbles, boy. Little man. By the way, with so many different scents in the commercial with her, like, there'd just be an array of pine saw bottles. But I feel Mm -hmm. like I only ever saw one at my local grocery store. Oh, wow. The real pain's coming out now. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I grew up in a pine saw desert. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> also i guess people really did use pine salt i just don't really need all my stuff smelling like pine i don't it's just i'm not an earthy person my home doesn't scream out for this mm, i grew up in hemingway house you know so you okay. know, we love the scent we love the smell of pine gotcha and masculinity gotcha. all right very well <laughs> um uh okay so jo- joe rogan is just dis- oh, i also just want to say about him okay th- the internet always has this like uh, uh, a discussion about Joe Rogan that has a certain kind of tone and yet if I run into certain family members out in the middle of the country or whatever they will straight up to say to me oh do you listen to Joe Rogan I listen to him every week I think he mm. makes good points like people are just completely outside of this conversation still mm-hmm. you know just being like oh we like him yeah, and I think that also goes to show that when Spotify says when Spotify says, "Okay, we're going to take action. We're going to remove past episodes." We're podcasters. We understand that that doesn't affect your pockets. Getting rid of past episodes, you've already been paid off those. You've already received the ad revenue. You've already been given the hourly wage. That actually doesn't hurt his pockets. In a culture where we know that the only way that we're going to actually get like any type of reprieve from bullshit like this is taking money away from people. I think it it just reminds me of what happened with Whoopi Goldberg like last week on The View and what happened with Nick Cannon and him losing his show on Viacom. Like when things like this happen to black creators, when they offend, let's say, the Jewish community or the Asian community, they are removed and deplatformed or taken off their show for two to three weeks. Like there's an actual visual palpable place where they lose money but with white creators it feels like when they do equal or even greater grievances not shit happens to them ellen DeGeneres gets another season of television Mm -hmm. i would also say it's the splintering of media and going more niche that has sort of protected people in this way because with because when you think about like don imus or you think about like howard stern or uh, other people who would have been reprimanded for something like this those shows were airing on the radio like millions of people were listening to them on the radio, but millions of people are listening to Joe Rogan, like just on their phone, you know, or in their mm-hmm. car alone. It's not being streamed somewhere. They have to actually go and find it. And so I feel like it's easier for companies to sort of ignore things like that when it feels like it's not on a wide scale. It goes to what Lewis was saying in that 
if this were on the radio and there was some sort of backlash, it'd be on the news everywhere. You know, like people would be talking about it. People don't even know about the backlash. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, now that I've hear, heard where he's coming from, I think I have to start listening. I think I have a lot to learn, and I think he's the one to teach it to me. Uh, it's it's just, it's, um, I mean, and we'll get into this with the Aquafina thing, but I feel like so many of these issues are conversations that are being had on social media, and they don't exist anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, again, I mean, Aquafina is even just starting a conversation out of nowhere. I, I don't know. I, I guess we're supposed to have it on social media, but I didn't know we were a part of it. I know. Before <laughs> I get to that, I do want to get to the fact that the people who came out to defend Joe Rogan, though, out, uh, came out of the woodwork, that was surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, and listen, like, we are friends with Whitney coming. She's been and on the show. She's been on the show. Made um, me laugh. Made us once. laugh. Yes. Um, the tweet about, you know, how, like, comedians, uh, the the tweet that she made about comedians was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Oh, the one we where actually, she said we're meant, like, the comedians are meant to be dangerous and they're meant to shake things up, but they're not meant to be, like, these moral paragons. She did not say paragons of, of, of you know, essentially morality and just, like, good doing. It's a baffling tweet uh, because she doesn't mention that they should be funny one time. <laughs> <laughs> And then so she, I mean, the phrasing like through a haunted house of the soul or something, as spooky, if to say spooky mental haunted oh, when, house. When it is went what Edgar comedians Allan are Poe. supposed to guide you through. Okay, like is your favorite the, comedian quote, quote David the, Lynch, motherfucker? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like this was the same thing with Dave Chappelle, though, right? You know, um, comedians are supposed to be dangerous. They're supposed to be edgy, but they're only ever dangerous and edgy when it comes to marginalized people. Yeah. Go be irreverent about capitalism, please. <laughs> Go do that. I they think can't too- because these comedians at this certain point are like the richest motherfuckers alive. Yeah. Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan are not going to make jokes about capitalism because they're directly benefiting from mm-hmm. capitalism. They have like they've basically got, you know, like um, Spotify and Netflix working on their plantation. (laughs) I think it's also this thing, too, where comedians are always saying, like, like Whitney said, we didn't sign up to be your hero. We didn't sign up to be this perfect person for you. But also I didn't sign up for you to be like a huge media outlet for us as a society. So that with that comes a whole level of different responsibilities to the people and to what you function as in society. Also, I would disagree with Whitney on that because I feel like Enrique Iglesias's I Will Be Your Hero is probably Joe Rogan's favorite karaoke song. Oh, sure. I think he, I, I picture Joe Rogan in the escape video on the motorcycle with, uh, who was that? Is Anna Kornikova in that too? That's like his ultimate version of cool, I think. Anyway, um, uh, no, this is yet another conversation about how, uh, male comedians think the edgy thing is to make fun of the people who are like on the outskirts of their possible fandom. Never mm-hmm. the people who are like directly closest to them who make the mo- they make the most money off of. You know? And it's lazy. I mean, how how many years have we been having this um, N-word debate? There's never yeah. any new fucking insight at all. Yeah, right. It's a pretty old. It's like abortion. I I think I've heard both sides now. And by both sides, I mean, woof, I don't want to hear you anymore. (laughs) 
Yes. Well. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Jesus' side on that, okay? Okay. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has been real silent on abortion. <laughs> Doesn't want to alienate the fan base, but that's how much he's And he's a brilliant comedian, so, you know. <laughs> uh, but getting into Aquafina now, I feel like we have discussed this on the show before. It has been a topic of conversation on social media. Um, the idea of her using a quote unquote black scent uh, in her raps and just in her general speech. Uh, and she took to Twitter over the weekend to issue an apology for it that no one asked for. No one yeah. was thinking about the the Shang-Chi press um, tour is over. So <laughs> I don't know why she tweeted it. Nor was it really an apology. Like, and, I and think... she didn't apologize for anything at all either. So apology is in quotes. She tweeted out, there's a sociopolitical context to everything, especially the historical context of the African-American community in this country. Great. Loving this Black History Month term paper. Uh, <laughs> it is a group that is disproportionately affected by institutionalized policies and law enforcement policies, all while having historically and routinely blah, blah, like, like what the fuck is this? She talks about, like, black people constantly having their culture stolen uh, and how there's never any acknowledgement or respect for where those roots come from. And then she doesn't point out that she has done that. Which oh, I thought was like sly shade to herself, but it wasn't. Like she's talking around the subject so much that nothing is pointed at all. Like her videos are still on YouTube. They still get views. She still makes money off of them. Like that mm -hmm. is... We should, by the way, reinvestigate what these videos were because I'm actually not super familiar with the beginning of Aquafina's career. It took Ocean's 8 to make me look and then, of course, I was angry because that was a movie <laughs> I was supposed to like and then it was what it was. I unfortunately am. I remember, like, her... First of all, her whole existence in the industry is, like, predicated on these cringy rap videos, which, like, ugh, who does that? Not me. And um, <laughs> she has... I remember specifically a video that that's kind of misogynistic, too. She takes on this entire black scent and she does this whole, like my pussy's great and your pussy is bad. And like, it's like that type of misogynistic comedy that she uses throughout the rap. And again, granted it was like 2011, but it's, it's this hyperbolic caricature thing of a black woman. And she kind of gets around it as well to like her big scapegoat is I have a deep appreciation for hip hop and a deep appreciation for black culture. But we as black people have eyes and a way of judging and understand the, dif the difference between like somebody trying on blackness for fun and using it for money and someone who has a deep appreciation for 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 black culture <clears throat> jack harlow mm -hmm. and she points out <laughs> uh she also points out you know that her immigrant background allowed her to carve an american identity off the movies and tv she watched and that as a group asian americans are still trying to figure out what that journey means for them but i mean you probably get this from growing up um aida this is not just an aquafina thing you know, like routinely I grew up and went to school with like Asian Americans who spoke in like African American vernacular English, you know, like speaking in black sense. And I get that, you know, it's um the culture that they're consuming and liking, but then there is no reconciliation with the like rampant anti blackness that exists within Asian communities. 
Mm-hmm. I always tell people this when I'm trying to draw corollaries. Is like the first person to call me the N-word was an Asian woman, was a young Asian woman. But then a part of me, the empathetic part of me that understands that we are all just conditioned by the media and the culture that we grew up watching. And first of all, yes, yes. All of the Indian boys in my school were, were tr- blacker than me most of the time and wanted to disrespect me and treat me way poorly than the other black boys. But I think that, I think too that I feel a little bit for Aquafina in the way that what did she grow up watching? She grew up watching the media that white people were pushing on her that made her believe that it was okay to do this. I like Chris Tucker. Rush Hour probably told her it was okay. Rush, <laughs> Rush Hour probably led her to believe there was a lot of black Asian harmony. <laughs> but I, I guess w- that's like sort of the only franchise where that's the case. Is there a little bit of that in Fast and the Furious? Uh, there aren't really there aren't really that many black people in Fast and the Furious except for Tyrese and Ludacris. Yeah. <laughs> Ludacris. None are coming to mind, really. Yeah. I'm sh- I I mean I will also say that um, it's also the problem of anti-blackness being global. You know, it exists in every culture. Like it exists in um, you know um. Latinx cultures, you know, where like you have people who are, um, you know, like literally mixed um, with black people, you know, mm-hmm. um, but like, you know, don't want to acknowledge like the black side of um, their heritage, you know, and, like it's it's there. there's um, the the allure of whiteness is global, basically. Uh, and it's always easy, even if you're borrowing from black culture, it is always easiest to, you know, just sort of turn around and be anti-black you know because you're, you're you're using the culture but like you don't love the people it sounds and, like what you're saying is we needed the romeo must die film to turn into a multiverse and it didn't happen <laughs> and the death of Aaliyah prevented a lot of healing uh well, that I, I also, can attest to. but i also want to but i also want to say fuck aquafina because um not only did she tweet um this non-apology she followed it up with well, I'll see you in a few years, Twitter, per my therapist. To my fans, thank you for continuing to love and support someone who wishes they could be a better person for you. I apologize if I ever fell short in anything I did. You're in my heart always. And then if you went and looked at her likes on Twitter, all she was doing was liking comments from white people who were saying, it's okay, girl, we still support you. You have nothing to apologize for. So no. basically everything you tweeted was a lie. I hate a you'll you be didn't in my actually heart mean always. It. You, didn't. you didn't actually and mean it. Speaking of not actually meaning it, we'll get to the tandy of it all very soon. But I think that, like, I hate I hate when apologies end with the you'll always be in my heart, like some fucking air clapped in Tarzan soundtrack. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I remember First of my... all, his name is Phil Collins. Slow down. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> I'm confusing it with tears in heaven. How dare I? This, this is the frustrating thing, too. Like, I remember I was in, like, the water bottle tour beginning, moving to L.A., meeting all of these directors and creators that I wanted to talk to, and they would always just, like, hold up a Cosmopolitan cover and be like, oh, I'll Aquafina, love her so much. And I would have to spend the time unpacking why she's actually a thorn in the side of black women right now. And it goes back to what you're saying, Lewis, too, about people just being generally unaware still, white people, about what Aquafina represents in the community for us as black people. Well, I'll tell you what she is. Nora from Queens. Get it Get it right. <laughs> yeah. And I will just say that anytime someone tweets an apology, the first thing you need to do is go and look at their likes. Because if they are tweet, because if, if they are liking the comments of people who are saying they have nothing to apologize for, then 
chances are you really didn't mean that apology at all. Or I saw Joe Rogan's apology. It was liked by his dog's Instagram account. And I was like, you fixed your little fingers to get on your dog's account <laughs> to like your own apology. And I still want to point out that no one asked her for that apology. And it's February. That's another it's February. thing. No one was thinking about her. No, wait, what's up with Tandy Way? Well, she recently did an interview and posted a video where she is crying on behalf of all brown skin and dark skin women. And I personally feel sanctified. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Are you feeling that way, Ira? I feel like we're, we've been spoken for. I just cleanse in her tears. Uh, she She's very sad in this video talking about how she hesitated in taking the part in this film, God's Country, because she didn't feel that she was dark enough as a black woman <laughs> to play it. Um, but she said that the film also helped her overcome many of her own prejudices. Against dark-skinned women. Against dark-skinned women. I don't... I don't know. I, I, all, <laughs> all I remember at first seeing was this clip where she's telling someone, my mama looks like you. <laughs> and then which, which I'm always saying. <laughs> <laughs> she's talking about Oprah. I say it's threatening. Uh, yes, right. And it's yeah. how painful it's been to have women who look like her mom feel like she's not representing them, that she's taking from them, taking their men, taking their work, taking their what? truth. Who are baby, we not? Shut baby, up. Wow. baby, nobody has been thinking about you at all. Okay. That's the thing. Okay, this is what it really frustrates me too. It's like light-skinned women are all still healing from the day they found out they were black. Like they're all still like they looked in the mirror one day and they were like, "Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm passing. I'm a white woman. It's giving Nella." And then they go outside and they go outside and they face something that is resembles oppression or racism in any way, and they are like, "Oh my God, I'm black. I'm black too." And then we're just dealing with the pieces of them mourning and figuring out this confusion. I need you to know that you just said it's giving Nella. Giving Nella. <laughs> As in Nella Larson, the author of Passing. It was it was not gonna it was not gonna pass me by that, that reference. Not on this day, Ruth Nega was snubbed. That's our next conversation. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we'll get into. But we're all still picking up their little pieces. I was confused who she was talking about when she said that she was stealing black women's men. Um <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know any public black men that you, that she has dated. Uh, but then I remember that Tandy Newton dated um, Brad Pitt while they were filming Interview with a Vampire. And <gasps> that is black women's man. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, that's right. That's the science of it. That is. You're right. Okay. Black Brad women is and Angelina to... Jolita's man. Okay. Brad should have been in Taken the way he is taken so much from other women. Anyway, <laughs> I, I also don't get why Gen Xers, especially British people, don't understand just how to move through Hollywood as a biracial woman. Like, look at Zendaya. Zendaya, I just think Gen Z people, millennials, they figured it out. Like Zendaya said, I am Hollywood's acceptable version of a black girl and everybody bowed down to her. Do you guys remember when Amanda Stenberg literally dropped out of the role for uh, for auditioning for Shuri because she was like, I do not fit Wakanda's color palette. <laughs> like, I'm not dark enough to be in this movie. And those are the things that I hear about people my age. And then when it comes to Gen Xers, it's like, what are you doing, Tandy? Why are you even speaking about this? Why are you crying during an interview? Like, why are you weaponizing your tears in this way? It doesn't even look genuine to me. 
did you really need to do this movie that badly, girl? Like, ain't you fighting robots? <laughs> or did they cancel Westworld? I actually have no idea if Westworld is still on TV. And you that know seems what? like don't the most me. daunting world don't, in the show to, don't to, to, tell to me. start. Don't no, tell right. me. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't want to know if Westworld's on TV. I don't want to hear the name Westworld <laughs> ever again. I have not seen Westworld, though I did watch the movie Mother, so can confirm Ed Harris still got it. And that's what this episode was about. <laughs> Ed Harris. Ed Harris. That's what it was about. A white mm-hmm. You know what? Wait. Thank you for celebrating Black History Month, Lewis. Excuse me. The way he's dressed in Truman Show, that's black culture. That's black culture. <laughs> refreshing. <laughs> wow so the non-black people are failing us is pretty much what we learned from this segment there's more chaos um that has occurred in black history month but i'm gonna save it for my keep it mainly um kanye and kim oh great mm. yeah yeah that just enough time I'm for a- me to quit the podcast <laughs> all right well we're back i am joined by nicole Bayer, and then after that the oscar noms are out Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Our guest today is a stand-up, an author, a podcaster, an Emmy-nominated host, and now she's getting some network money for her work on NBC's Grand (laughs) Crew. Please welcome Nicole Byer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, hi, hi. Hi. This is like a lovely reunion. It is. We last talked when little the pandemic was beginning. Uh-huh. Um, I was still waking up at three, 
going to bed at <laughs> 6 a.m. What I was mean, time? Those were the days where, like, <laughs> it was just the same shit every single day. Just I would drink a bottle of wine every night. I truly would stay in bed till I had to get out of bed. Oh, mm, the pandemic. You know, I think I actually was slightly healthier during that period where I was drinking a lot of wine all the time. <laughs> I saw I saw my trainer constantly during that period. And I feel like once we got back into the real world, I was like, I don't have time for regimen anymore. Um, I don't have time to um, care about, uh, you know, like, what I'm eating during the day. I'm, I'm like, oh, restaurants again. I'm like, oh, vacations again. Now I'm just like, I'm a mess. I, I need it to be locked up in uh, my apartment <laughs> is what I'm saying. I think a lot of people needed to be locked up. I mean, I do not cook anymore. I cooked for <laughs> almost a year. And now I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I can't. I couldn't possibly. Better order something. Better go out. Better leave. Better leave. <laughs> Can't do it. Uh, did you like learn how to cook during the pandemic, or were you are you already know how to cook? I mean, I didn't learn how to cook. I just cooked a bunch of shit that I've been cooking. I did go mm -hmm. vegan for a while, so I was making a lot of vegan okay. bullshit. Um, how long did that last? <laughs> like a solid eight months. Like it lasted a minute. Okay, okay. That I did is, good. That is, that is a good relationship. Link. Thank you. I'm trying to get back there. Maybe I will this month. I don't know. <laughs> um, you were doing literally so many things. How are you doing so many things? Um, I'm tired, you know? Like, I'm just a tired person <laughs> at all times. Um, I mean, I don't know. You just kind of, like, find the time. I just got an assistant, which was really helpful. <laughs> okay, okay. What what took what took you so long to get an assistant? Well, I kept double booking myself on shit, and <laughs> I, I like double booked myself for my friend Grace Grace Edwards's podcast, and I was like, I can't be doing this to friends. I need to like, if I mm -hmm. commit to doing something, I have to fucking do it, and if I can't you know, manage my schedule myself because I got a lot of shit going on that I need to have someone help me. So I put a call out to my manager's assistants who then said, thank God, and immediately sent me people. And then I was like, oh my God, they <laughs> probably were annoyed that I kept double booking myself. And then my manager's old assistant was like, a little birdie told me you're looking for an assistant. And I was like, they're all talking about me. They all think I should have done this years ago, which is probably true. <laughs> As a person who is very bad at scheduling, I feel like, yes, that's something my own manager's assistant is constantly just talking uh -huh. about. There's always a lot of um, me emailing with, um, so I don't remember what I'm supposed to be doing this week. Can you please <laughs> remind me? <laughs> oh, yeah. So like a year, maybe two years ago, uh, my manager's assistant was like, we now have a Google calendar. So Nicole, like you put things, put things in the Google calendar. We'll put mm -hmm. things. And I was like, okay. Cause I used to just have this planner that I would write things mm -hmm. down in and then be like, oopsie, didn't write it down. But imagine putting something <laughs> in the Google calendar. That's the problem. I have to remember to put it in the calendar. I know. But what I do now is like, I take in information and I go, you better put that in that calendar. And then all day I go, put that in that calendar, 
put that in that calendar. Now I take screenshots of shit and send it to my assistant and mm. she can put it in the calendar. And it sounds like I'm lazy. I just have ADHD. And it's mm-hmm. really, really difficult to remember to do now, anything. Okay, I have a question about the screenshots thing, though, because I want to say I've noticed that, especially during the pandemic, too, I became a screenshot person, not just for, like, things I need to remember. It's, like, thing I want to buy. Uh-huh. Or, like, funny meme I see uh-huh. that, like, I don't feel like saving, like, the Instagram or remember. I'll, like, uh-huh. I'll just screenshot it. How often do you go back to your screenshots Never. and look at what you screenshot? Never. <laughs> what happens, if I screenshot it, I have to immediately send it off to whoever. If not, it's just in the screenshot ether and it's just living on my phone. <laughs> I feel like one day I went and scrolled through like my screenshots and was like, oh, a sweater I wanted to buy two years ago. And then I got (laughs) it. (laughs) You did? I did. I did. That's lovely. I love that for you. I screenshot this like bra and panty set that this girl had taken on Instagram. And then two years later, I was like, oh, this morning, actually, I was like, I should buy that. Of course, it was two years ago. So it's sold out. It's not there. (laughs) Very upsetting for me. She might make it for you again. I don't know. It's like a company. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Do you have that much pull yet? It's parade. It's parade <laughs> underwear. It's pastel color blocked panties, high waisted panties, and like a little bralette. And it's like pastelly rainbow. If anyone works at parade and wants to remake it for me, I I would I would be happy. Also, if we're making requests, Farm Rio <laughs> is a brand that I fucking love, and they seem to like not want to continue with plus size. Maybe you should do that because I want this one jumpsuit that sold out everywhere. <laughs> okay. You know what? We 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 decided early on this year doing the podcast that our phrase is we have conversations and make things happen. Uh-huh. And so I like putting things out into the ether. I feel like you will get two emails next week. Please, please, I want it. <laughs> I want Farm Rio to do plus size and I want Parade to bring back this pastel little uh, uh, negligee fucking sexy panty thing. <laughs> um, No, I get that about the Farm Rio thing because, you know, like, when I want to buy certain things to mm-hmm. wear, I am constantly looking like... I love the ASOS Plus section. Yes, ASOS is... I mean, it's fast fashion, but say what you will. Sometimes you don't want to pay a, a whole bunch of money for something that's on trend. If slow it's fashion great. would make something that I can wear, ding, ding. then I ding, wouldn't ding. have to be fast about it. But ding, usually ding. it's like, okay, I can't go to the store and find it, so I need this at my house in two days. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel you on that. I did find some cute slowish fashion places um big bud press is pretty good they have like a mm, unisex i fit. love their little jumpsuits right they're super super cute the jumpsuits don't work for me but i did i can't remember the style of pant that works for me but i like put it on i, was I like, did oh, okay. have to get mine tailored i got my jumpsuit tailored that's the thing it's like it is like good quality so it's like why not just get it tailored you know mm. it's it's gonna last you forever also uh i think it's called my kobe mickey obi Oh, mm-hmm. I mispronouncing it. I don't know. It's this really cute brand that I got some cute overall overalls from. Uh, I think they're slow fashion. What else? Oh, Lucy and Yak. They got cute little overalls. Mm-hmm. I've okay. been. Okay. I, I mean, overalls are the only thing I can find. I can't find like <laughs> like elevated, you know, clothing. You know what I mean? 
Like, where are the gowns? Where are the beautiful gowns? Where are they? Mm -hmm. You know, Christian Siriano can't make gowns for everybody. (sighs) I've been very fortunate. He's made a gown (laughs) or two for me. But did I get to keep them? (laughs) Nope. I gotta go to the Christian Siriano (laughs) Museum. Which is fine. I was happy to wear it for the one day I was allowed to wear it. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Speaking of all of the things you're doing, one of them, Wipeout, is coming back. And I need to know about working with my king, John Cena. Because I've been watching (laughs) Peacemaker recently, and I love that man. He's great. He is a, a real genuine person. He's very kind. He's very, very funny. There's a couple of jokes that he said that are definitely not going to make it in that truly had me running around. <laughs> like, he sometimes is spot on. Um, yeah, he's just, like, real chill and, like, nice. Like, uh, a couple times contestants have been like, all I want is a high five from you. And he's like, you can have that. I'm here. You're here. I'll meet you down there. And he'll walk down there after they've run the course and give them a high five if that's what they want or a hug or whatever. He's just truly, really kind. Okay, he's so sweet. And I feel like he also appeals to bros. So like, yeah. how do we get how do we get the um, John Cena experience podcast? Can you tell him to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell him to steal I Joe Rogan's client base? <laughs> His Twitter's very good. Like, he tweets mm. a lot of just, like, thoughts he has. And I'm like, yeah. I wish more people... I feel like they think it's an act. His Like, his genuineness is, like, an act. And his thoughtfulness mm-hmm. is an act. And I'm like, it's not. The, like, bro-y bro shorts and, like, white rapper thing. I think that's that's more of, like, a comical act. I was like, this man mm-hmm. is very genuine and, like, really putting shit out there. But also, I don't want to talk for him. But he is, I don't know, really <laughs> smart. <laughs> He'd be like, fuck you. I'm not genuine. <laughs> He's like, the whole thing's a fucking act. And then he knocks me over. And I'm like, John Cena! <laughs> I would listen to a John Cena podcast. Me too. I'm just He's putting great. that out there. Yeah. I don't know if I'm he'd ever do it. There. He's so fucking busy. That's fair. That's fair. He's making HBO Max shows, DC movies. He's doing Still wrestling, so I guess. Apparently. I don't know. Doing so much. Um, and you, I just watched recently um, your comedy special, Big Beautiful Weirdo. Yes! I wanted to tell you in person instead of, like, Instagramming it and being like, oh, my God, I'm watching this because I wanted to see the impact of telling you <laughs> that I loved it. <laughs> ah, thank you! I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I love the... Um, joke about what women want uh and i want to did you see the remake no i, I wanted to, to stay true to the joke because i wasn't about i don't know <laughs> i will tell you i watched um what men want on a plane mm-hmm. uh and it is truly truly fascinating is it pete pete davidson plays her gay assistant in it what and she okay. realizes he's gay by reading his thoughts and oh, fix him, no. fixes him up with a coworker. Interesting. What were the thoughts? <laughs> I think they were they, they weren't obviously like aggressively, you know, like um the kind of thoughts you would expect from men. Okay. Uh, straight men walking down the street. <laughs> but it was a lot of like sexual thoughts and then a lot of like 
you know, like she's not good at her job business thoughts. I was like, this isn't giving realistic, but okay. All right. I figured it'd be like, uh, her shoes are bad. Like, uh, you know, when <laughs> Legally Blonde, when uh, she's at the water fountain and he goes, some mm-hmm. lassies and Parada shoes at me, honey. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, so like Pete Davidson's shoes, were, Pete Davidson's thoughts were like, she was trying to decipher if he was gay or not. He was like, really? Oh, I think there was a running joke where she thought that he was into her. Because he kept thinking like, oh, how do, how do I like, how do I like um, flirt with this person, et cetera. And she didn't realize that he was talking about um, the other gay person uh, ah, at the office. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A, a, a little comedy, you know. Okay. A little farce. Okay. All right. Yeah, a little farce. All right. Okay. You know, I I support the people in the movie, but I, I think I will stay in the dark about it. That's 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 fair. That's fair. It's just it's one of those perfect plain movies mm, for me. Do mm-hmm. you have like do you have like favorite genres of things that you prefer to watch when you're traveling cuz you must travel a lot? Yeah, I sleep a lot on planes. Okay. Okay. That's like where I catch up on my sleep or I'm like, "Ugh, <laughs> got to fucking finish this joke I started before I land." <laughs> um, but I do watch Back to the Future a lot on planes. Um, okay. What else? I just watched the it original, was... or is it just you like the whole franchise? No, the first one. Uh, okay, but just the, the second one. one is kind of fun. Third one is just as fun. It's fun <laughs> in this like weird way where you're like, I don't know, they're having a good time. <laughs> I, what did I just? I just oh, I started watching this like African movie about a dude who moves from Africa to new york to be a cab driver and then after like 12 years his wife and kid move back over and or move over to america and he's had this whole life in this 12 years without them and it wait looks, do you fly delta i do i okay i've seen i've seen i don't remember the name but i have seen i don't remember I've the name either but like they have like african movies on there now yes they do and i'm like come through delta <laughs> and this was in january wasn't even black history month i said delta doing it for us all year round where is their 365 website like mcdonald's did you know mcdonald's is a black website no, I didn't. I mean, I could be I, lying. I, I, I've been t- I've been telling people this <laughs> for years, and I don't. I have to Google it. <laughs> okay, I'm googling it. McDonald's, three sixty five. Am I? Am I? Yeah, black and positivity. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a. Uh, it's like just you know the black part of their website. <laughs> I love that. I wa- I wonder if that's where you can still order the sweetie meal. L O L. What the fuck were they doing? Why did people have meals? I was on Postmates the other day and was just like, oh, what's on McDonald's's website or fucking their menu? And it was like, you can get a chicken, you can get a land and sea, you can get a cheeseburger with yeah, a fucking okay. fish fillet on it. <laughs> so I feel like the sweetie meal was like mixing up, like she loves to like mix and match her food and do stuff like that. And then. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, let's just capitalize on that. And now, yeah, the new menu I saw where it's like you put a fish fillet on a burger with chicken nuggets. Uh, who but the fuck is eating I'm that? just like, who's that person who's like, <laughs> uh, can I take your order? Yeah. Let me get a double cheeseburger, but make sure you slam a fish fillet in between them patties. <laughs> who? Who is the person ordering that? 
It's like, how stoned do you have to be to <laughs> want to eat that? Because it reminds you of like the late night Jack in the Box menu, which has some very weird shit on it too. <laughs> Does it really? Yeah, I think there's like there was like a weird burger at some point that had like some concoction, but I'm just like, I it's it's not for me. When I'm when I'm stoned, I just want to eat the food I already like. Uh huh. Can just I ask like you a quickly. question? Mm-hmm. When you're high. Does food taste better to you? It does. I don't think food tastes better when you're stoned. I just want to consume a lot of it. That's fair. Maybe I just got really used to, during the pandemic, getting high. Because that's I wasn't a stone. I didn't used to get stoned that often. Mm-hmm. And then I got into a pattern of like, cool, I'm going to end the evening with like, watching six episodes of love and hip-hop i was binging love and hip-hop atlanta mm. during the pandemic okay. and then like eating at that period too and it's like i got used to only being able to eat dinner like when i was stoned. oh interesting i like stopped smoking as much weed during the pandemic i started drinking a lot more <laughs> and now i'm trying to like bounce the fuck out so now i'm back to like sometimes i'll eat a edible at night um, and then sometimes I'm like, I'll have a glass of wine, but then I'm like, ugh, the thought of being hungover seems really unappealing right now, but I'm taking a trip next week. So is she going to be hungover? <laughs> is this a work trip? Is this a vacation? No, this is a, I haven't been anywhere in a very long time and I've worked pretty uninterrupted since we got vaccinated. So I mm-hmm. actually, before we got fucking vaccinated, I just been working. I'm tired. <laughs> you say so you she shot is your... going. So it's just a little getaway because you are working constantly. Yeah. And what's it like doing Grand Crew? Like a little NBC show. Yes. Come through. She's a network diva. It is honestly <laughs> so much fucking fun. My friend Phil created it. I've known Phil for over a decade. I've known Echo for a decade. I've known Carl for almost a decade. I'd worked with Aaron Jennings on something else. I didn't know um, Gracie Mercedes or Justin Cunningham, but they like really like folded in really great and they they're good at improvising it truly didn't feel like a job and i know it was a job we like learned our lines hit marks and recorded shit and it got edited together but like we had so much fucking fun every fucking day like we're still on a group text we got matching tattoos (laughs) okay fucking love each other (laughs) that's good though because I, i was reading the um i was reading your hollywood reporter um, interview and you just talked about wanting to play more characters you know in scripts because you've done a lot of unscripted mm-hmm. in your career yeah and no knock to unscripted I really love doing it but you know some people have a hard time being themselves I have a very easy time finding fun within myself and um, I'm very uh, lucky that I was allowed to host in a way where I like just you know got to be a fucking looney tune um, but I was like, it would be nice to ground my performance a little bit and try to make someone else's words natural coming out of my mouth. Acting is such a, like, not undertaking, but it's like a challenge. And it's really cool when, you know, you make a camera operator laugh who's like worked on Brooklyn Nine-Nine for fucking years. It's like, oh, that was actually really funny. Or like you work with your scene partner to make the scene work in a way that like feels real. Like, mm-hmm. I just love that shit. No, that's how I feel about writing, because I will say that, like, especially Cruz, 
where you, they've worked on everything, mm-hmm. and also they're t- also they're tired as fuck. They're so tired. Uh, when, when, when you see one of them like laugh at a joke you've written uh, mm-hmm. and a joke they've heard in a take like mm-hmm. 20, 20 times in a row, you're like, "All right, I did something." Yeah, it feels so <laughs> fucking good. Um, one of our grips, uh, his name's Dolly Bob. I fucking love Dolly Bob. <laughs> He's like the Dolly guy. Um, I said something and he just threw his head back like right before cut was <laughs> called. He like threw his head back and laughed real hard. And I was like, oh, I got Dolly Bob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was the best. He would clap uh, when he thought we had it. <laughs> and was, like he would just start, like, it'd be like cut. And he'd be like. And they'd be like, one more. And he'd be like, oh. And he would make a production of like looking around. He's one of my favorite people to have ever worked with. I love Dolly Bob. <laughs> All right. Last question. Um, you're doing so much stuff and even more stuff. Like, how do you mm. still have time for all the podcasting? And do you still love doing it? How interesting. Nobody ever asks if I love it. Um, I do. <laughs> I, I do love it. Um, it is helpful. I will say like having an assistant has been so helpful because I used to have to do the research myself. Now I mm-hmm. get to not have to spend time researching. I get a Google doc sent to me and I go, Oh, what a dream. This is so nice. <laughs> um, but I do like, I love, why won't you date me? I love exploring love. That's been super interesting to me. Um, I like that it's transitioned a little bit away from like my personal life. And I'm talking more about like just the overarching themes of love and like last summer or not last summer oh my god 2020 was so fucking long ago at this point but the summer of 2020 i just only spoke to black people and really got into some like interesting conversations that way so i just like mm-hmm. yeah i've been having fun with that best friends with sashir so uh, i was a diversity guest is what you were saying. you were a diversity guest. <laughs> thank you so much for filling my quota bucket <laughs> no i just like it was like, uh, the protests were happening, and I was like, well, I mean, this will sound rude to some people, but I was like, why? Do, I don't want to talk to white people right now. I have no, I don't mm. want, I don't have, I don't want their opinions. <laughs> Our white listeners listen. know how I feel. They know how I feel about them. <laughs> <laughs> I say thank you for the click. Thank uh-huh. you for the download. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some are very nice, some are very kind. No, I mean... I've welcomed the the white the the paler companions back, uh, but uh, yeah. From that moment, I was like, I don't want to, and I like that I could do whatever I want on the show. It's a, uh, it's really great. So Sheer, we have a podcast called Best Friends. That's just like we tee hee hee, have a nice time. Uh, newcomers with Lauren Lapkus, we watch things that we've never watched before. It's torture. We are embarking on watching the marvel fucking cinematic universe and okay i'm a stan i don't don't know if i've been more upset about something (laughs) but i will say i've seen clips a friend of mine showed me clips from spider-man 3 that seems like my jam that shit seems wild as fuck the spider-man movie the recent ones are wild you'll enjoy those oh okay no i'm talking about the one with toby mcguire Oh, yes. Okay. He's got, like, oh, long, that weird that, emo a, hair, okay, and he's dancing. in that movie. He dances yeah, that, a bunch. A <laughs> and then Alfred Molina, he's, like, shirtless and has tentacles. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, what? 
Yeah, I, those are the Sam they, Raimi ones. Those are wild. Those are fun. They look insane, and those are the only ones I'm excited about. But like, fucking <laughs> Avengers, get real. Who cares? Thor? What's a Thor? <laughs> I just, I'm like, what is this shit? And I'm sure a bunch of people are gonna be like, gang, 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 movies. But guess what? We can all have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for being here, Nicole. Thank you for having me. What a treat. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. This morning, the only positive thing that ever happens in Louis Vertel's life happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Oscar nominations. Louis, you better... Oscar nominations and your Barry's Boot Camp classes. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Those are both hemispheres of my brain, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing left. Uh, yeah, I was up at 518 this morning. Did either of you actually wake up for the Oscar nominations like like ghouls as Louis, I do? Louis, no? I read the nominations five <laughs> minutes before we started recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on the East Coast, so it was oh, a privilege. I'm it. on the East Coast as well, and I can still promise you I did not wake up at no 818 to read <laughs> the Oscar nominations. Yes, I think it's appropriate that the black people did not have to get up at 5 a.m. today. We Lewis. chose rest. Okay. All right. Okay, Louis, you tell us. I haven't had to get up us. at 5 a.m. since I was in the fields. Okay. Ira. Ira. Oh my God. Like you know a who neighborhood else? in Los Angeles. You know, who else got up? you know who else got up five minutes before the nominations? Apparently, Leslie Jordan, who read them and was deeply confused by some of the names. <laughs> like Denis, Denis Villeneuve. Woof. What a sonic journey he took us on with that pronunciation. Okay. I do love him, though. I'm so happy you're here to rectify it all. Yeah. Um, honestly, my takeaway from these nominations is that precursors just don't mean as much as they used to anymore. And you can expect my least favorite word in popular culture right now, but I'm going to say it chaos when the actual morning <laughs> comes of nominations. Cause there's lots of weirdo choices here. I did not expect at least one per category. Really explain what you mean by precursors. Like in the other award shows leading up to it, like Lady Gaga oh, was nominated okay. in every, you know, the SAGs, all the, what BAFTA, whatever. Yeah. And, and she got in BAFTAs over like Olivia Coleman, who I believe is on English currency. So that was crazy. <laughs> the Fiverr. She's on yes, the Fiverr right. at least. <laughs> Um, and uh, and she was uh, snubbed here. I mean, I I would call that the most active snub of the. Uh, she's certainly the most famous Oscar campaigner right now. And uh, thank God, because I sure do not want to think about that movie again. I truly think it is among the trashier, mm -hmm. high profile movies to come out in the past couple of years. Ridley Scott, Diddley Squat. That's what. <laughs> I think. Can I just Don't say overall me. that reading these nominations, I'm feeling the effects of the pandemic finally. Like I didn't feel them yeah. last year. I think they were still wrapping up movies, and we we're still getting good things. I'm looking at this Best Picture the, nom the nominees, and I've seen 
two of the movies and I didn't even hear about the rest of them. And Lewis, no, before right. you yell at me, I just need <laughs> to make sure I that think... is a communal opinion. <laughs> well, that's why I think the precursors sort of don't count because we're still in this weird space where no one is really campaigning like they used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there aren't the like there aren't the random parties you're being invited to. You know, like Gaga can't cozy up to voters the way she did during <laughs> the A Star Is Born tour. She instead has to um, dole out another insane story from when she was in Rome shooting the movie about how she was haunted by Patricia's ghost. <laughs> And and also how she was worried she was stalking the set and like she she got quote unquote drunk while drinking the prop drinks on set just every right. every story was like wilder than the last and it also sounds made up <laughs> it, it sounds insane and made up and doesn't have that um sort of amusing quality that the whole um there could be a hundred people in a room that's the quote you know, I was like, trying to like remember that that like that was funny you know and she yeah. kept doing it in different rooms these these quotes are just like coming from the void you're playing wordle one day and then all of a sudden a new push notification comes through that gaga has released another quote about filming <laughs> house of gucci right and also i mean like I hope her fans can take solace in the fact that she is, in fact, already an Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that And she, in fact, is a Best Actress nominee. And that mm-hmm. this movie is just bad. Here's what I'll say about her performance in this movie, though. I think it's the best one in the movie. And there are tons of venerated actors in this. Like, yes. for me to say she gives a better performance than Jeremy Irons, I mean, that makes no sense coming out of my mouth. But her performance is as good as a performance can be on the show Undercover Boss. You know? So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what but, do you mean you are unsatisfied that my company <laughs> uh, I won't consider myself a particularly nominated person but I now have time to finally do the chromatical ball <laughs> oh yeah and re- resume the jazz and whatever thing she does in Vegas yeah. no she better cancel that shit because I know that she brought the jazz tour back to Vegas because she was thinking it was going to be you know a little ramp up around the Oscars you know get the, get the old voters excited Bitch, right. I don't want that. You, she still has my money for the Chromatica Ball. She has not refunded these tickets. She has not rescheduled the tour. I want answers. Wow. She's more okay. like Patricia than I realized. <laughs> the press tour is over. Stop the money laundering game and announce the tour. Chop, chop. Wow. She's taking the bag of money and running off stage. I didn't understand that. I, I will say, though, the best actress category this year, stacked. All five of them. I would say anybody... There's an argument for any of them to win. And Kristen Stewart got in. And as you know, Spencer was my keep at one week. And I am happy to see her here. Um, it could have gone so much worse with, like, Gaga in the picture. Yeah. I and, mean, the Gaga, the, the little monsters aren't really that good at mobilizing anyway. And I'm not afraid of them. <laughs> I, I think the Academy was afraid of Kristen Stewart fans. Oh, right. Mm. Well, they are they are surly. So... <laughs> They'll walk up to you in a beanie and say something really shitty under their breath. Yeah. Drink also the Chanel like... and bite your neck with their fake vampire teeth or their teeth that they've chiseled into vampire teeth. Mm, the little canines. They also yes. like capitalize off being apathetic. So I wonder how much they did care. That's true. Right. You they know? could always claim they never cared in the first yeah. place, which is a, a common stance during this season. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm here uh, for Penelope Cruz. That is I love her love in that to movie. Win. I yeah. think it's her mm-hmm. best performance. Uh, I think Olivia Coleman is great, uh, as I do love The Lost Daughter, but, you know, she she also just wanders around a beach 
for seventy percent of the movie. <laughs> so right. you know, she's sufficiently from- creepy, which I, is like a, a, a mode I'm, I'm I accept from Olivia Coleman. I'm glad she took a weirder role, but you're right, she is sort of. Um, it, it's it's a weird. I don't want to say it's a light performance, but. That movie ends up having less of an impact than you want it to have because she has the confrontation with Dakota Johnson and then the ending is sort of like, oh, we're just on a beach talking to her. I don't know. The ending makes it not as good as it could be. Same. I enjoy I enjoy the film a lot, but it um, promises a lot of payoff that it doesn't deliver. Yeah. Which, by the way, Jesse Buckley snuck in for supporting actress. And that's not it's weird to me not because she's bad but because i don't like that part of the movie where it's like i almost wish they took the flashbacks out and just let her be like a weird 40 something woman you know but um i guess i think women in general really like that movie because it gives a glimpse into motherhood that isn't just and ultimately she's inspired to be who she is you know it's like not th- th- there's uh something deeply felt about it otherwise it's a little but, like uh, waitress you know what? Waitress, the original movie with Carrie Russell, Iconic. super underrated. Iconic. Excellent movie. Cheryl yeah. Hines, hilarious. And uh, that the woman who died and wrote the movie, Adrian Shelley, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think we know that Best Supporting uh, Actress is going to Ariana DeBose. You know what? I don't think she can either lose her or looking at e- these. Yeah, I don't. Although there is a case to be made for Kirsten Dunst. Yes, I I feel like that's a performance that needs one more big scene. Like mm-hmm. I, I I often think of um, when Marissa Tomei won Best Supporting Actress, and people talk about that as one of the classic surprise wins. What people underestimate about that performance is it's a huge supporting performance, and all the other ones in that category are relatively small. I think mm-hmm. people vote typically for most time on screen. I think that's what they what sticks in their mind. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like a Beatrice Stray or Judy Dench, you know, like they they are famously people who, you know, have won for very small roles. I was kind of trying to think of like um, Meryl Streep or Viola, but then I remember that neither of them won for doubt. Right. And yeah. Meryl's in that whole movie, but like Viola is someone who I think that has very little screen time in doubt, but did deserve an Oscar for that performance. Right. And the whole movie kind of turns within that scene. Yeah. You know, you, know, like, you just you, you, you don't you need expect a that from her. Yeah. You need a mm-hmm. moment. Um, best actor. Um, I am pleasantly surprised to see Andrew Garfield. Oh, I yeah. He was well, fucking fantastic in Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm-hmm. And it is great to have a nomination to um, wash the Hacksaw Ridge out of my mouth. Right. That was his only nomination before this. He was only direct. His two best actor nominations are Mel Gibson and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Is there a wider range? Yeah, where he was slobbering all over Mel Gibson on stage. Right. (laughs) Oh, that was tough. Uh, No, I'm thrilled for him. Obviously, I'm sad that Simon Rex wasn't nominated since that was one of our favorite performances of the past year. But I mean, that's a pretty strong category. You got Denzel back in the mix. I think it's probably between Denzel and and Will, to be honest. I I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch is going to win because they want an acting win for that movie. That's my feeling. Mm, But I don't know. That's fair. But I think it I think it might also just be Will Smith's time. Definitely. And he's also nominated in Best Picture, too, because King mm-hmm. Richard got in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think it says something about when the film is also nominated for Best Picture. Definitely. Which is this is a, a notable split in years past, but often there's a gap between who's nominated in Best Actress and then those movies don't get nominated for Best Picture. This year, there are five nominees for Best Actress and none of them are nominated for Best Picture. It's like, OK, we do have to think critically about do we not associate women with 
prestige in a certain way? Like, do we always opt for men ultimately? You know, I, a criticism I hate of like small female led movies that people say all the time is, oh, it feels like a Hallmark movie or it feels, I mean, something a Lifetime movie or something. It's like, look, just because we don't really have a model for a big budget movie about a woman that isn't like superhero related doesn't mean we should be deriding it with like dated comparisons to 80s movies on, t- on television. <laughs> Meanwhile, Licorice Pizza is a female centric film, but somehow I'm surprised she didn't the, get in. Yeah, Surprised. Somehow mm-hmm. all the sums of the parts of that film don't um, add up to um, acting moms. I mean, you because it it really is goes to the thing of like, well, we're gonna celebrate this man for the work that he did. You know, like PTA mm-hmm. did did a. I think people have acknowledged that this is one of PTA's best films. Uh, I love Licorice Pizza, but then it's like we'll give it best picture, best director, and screenplay, and that's it. Everyone Something- else in the movie is whatever. R- Right. Well, it's also a movie where, like, I think a lot of the best moments are in character vignette performances, like Harriet Sansom Harris, who has an awesome scene as fucking amazing I, I, as an agent. She was in Phantom Thread as like the woman who passes out that he designs the dress for. But yes. like, it's these like BB really small, Frazier, tiny moments. The Queen. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, she she's an icon, um, and that well, also brings up my point that um, I think the Oscars should have a best guest actor kind of category you want like a five lines or less well there are people who have like there are people who make appearances in films that are fucking great but i wouldn't necessarily like i wouldn't call harriet simpson harris a supporting actress in licorice pizza i don't know if i would even call um bradley cooper supporting actor in licorice pizza you know but he has that great fucking sequence which is like my favorite sequence of the film Right. Also, that's such a funny play on that real life person, John Peters, that Hollywood producer who was, by the way, uh, in the movie, he talks about how his girlfriend's Barbara Streisand. Actually, during the events of the film, he would have been married to Leslie Ann Morin, who it's my job to bring up every three episodes on the show. (laughs) But um, Uh, but he is so funny in that movie uh, is a very rambunctious, uh, shall we say, drug adult uh, John Peters. I would also point out that adding two more acting categories to the Oscars could only help. True. Viewership. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's just been the standard that there's lead in supporting in almost all of these award shows when I, you know, I guess television has via guest actor has gotten way yeah. more uh, interesting people into the mix. But something something, you know, like for the flashy people that they put in films, you know, like, um, you know, Nicki Minaj in The Other Woman, you know, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Kim Kardashian in that Tyler Perry movie. OK, that could that could have been their moment. <laughs> guest actor. <laughs> Wow. You've got Kim on the brain today and something's not not right. Look, and also guest actor could be a genderless category. Oh, that's Mm. fun. Yeah. Which, by the way, that still will happen one day. The Oscars will transform and I think that those uh, uh, sections will dissipate. I wasn't shocked by too many things. Uh, I was shocked that... um, drive my car got in but i'm but i feel that like you know every year um the oscars decides that there's a foreign movie that they want to bestow um a nomination on right they pick kind of one to exalt a little bit if you haven't seen this movie drive my car i'm sure you've heard the title by now it's like a, a, a a known prestige movie it's this longish but beautiful movie uh about a 
uh, a guy who works in the theater. And it, I, I, I don't even want to get into the plot of it because the plot is so like involving his family and then involving his work. And and then there's like confrontational scenes between two actors that are so rich and strange and unexpected. You, you really should see this movie because I can't compare it to anything. And everyone involved is amazing. I would have loved if the guy who plays the star actor in the movie, n- not the main guy, he's great too, but the the person who stars in the production he's doing got a supporting actor nom, but that he didn't gain steam. Yeah. It's also nominated for Best International Feature, which Parallel Mothers is not. And I would really like to understand the 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 often on nature that the Academy has with El Motivar. Because they Weird. sort of ignored his like flashier movies until he got like prestige, like you know, like in the nineties. But I would offer that his string of films since like Volver have been like some of the best work he's ever fucking done. So I love like, them. The, yeah. yeah, the the lack of like attention to them is very weird. Um, but my favorite film of the year, Hand of Co- the Hand of God, did get nominated. I love Paulo Sorrentino. I wish mm. he'd gotten the best director nom. And, beauty, Paolo Sorrentino. Yes, and I'm he, had, he did a mov- weird movie called Youth with Jane Fonda in a two-minute role. If you're looking for something to watch, anyway, and um, just the two-minute role, Lewis says he's uploading <laughs> on YouTube on his private channel. <laughs> uh, and of course, everyone has been talking about the worst person in the world, which got best international feature and screenplay uh noms but um nothing else because it is a foreign film so you know that's a great movie too that's like a rom-com that like is has some whimsy in it some darkness in it went directions i hadn't anticipated among my friends who are obsessed with awards it's like all their favorite movie of the year so Mm -hmm. uh recommend watching that too the actress in it who had potential to get a best actress nomination renata reinsva i think is how you say it uh she is fabulous. Uh, interesting note about directors, speaking of El Motivar, Jane Campion just became the first woman to be nominated twice for Best Director. Woof, it only took us till 2022 to get to that. Oh, my God. Barbara Streisand uh, directed uh, Prince of Tides, which was nominated for Best Picture. Not a nomination for Barbara, though. Truly the disrespect on Barbara's name, even though we would award almost uh, always a number of things in each of her movies every time they came out. We gave Lauren Bacall a nomination for The Mirror Has Two Faces, and girl, she is not doing much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who do you think is going to be the second female director to get nominated? Mm. For two. Oh, it's got to be Chloe. Chloe Zhao. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, yeah, I have to wash the the stench of the Eternals out of my mouth, but once we get back on track, she's going to get that second. <laughs> uh, let's wrap up with um, maybe the most exciting category aside from actress, um, best original song. Oh fuck yeah! Diane Warren is is coming for that Oscar again, <laughs> right? And you know what, baby, you are not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> is that something that you want? Let me it's like you. she you're never gonna get like, it. <laughs> it's like she's reaching harder, but someone's pulling the ledge even further away. Like it's like the space, the chasm keeps growing. Um I love Diane Warren. She's had so many great songs over the years. I think this is her twelfth or thirteenth nomination. And she's somebody who like uh How Do I Live? Uh uh she's you know, I don't want to miss a thing she wrote that uh my favorite is There You'll Be from the movie uh, Pearl Harbor that Faith Hill sang. Uh, uh, really fond memories of watching that on the VH1 Top 20 countdown. I don't know what it's going to take, but, you know, Diane Warren, I love that she keeps trying. 
And she shows up in a tuxedo at the awards show and she's self-deprecating and makes jokes about Susan Lucci and I love her for it. <laughs> uh, I am, of course, Beehive, so I'm rooting for Be Alive, which I actually like as a song. Like, I, I like it better than um, the kind of boring, treacly song that I would expect Beyonce to get an Oscar nom for. Yeah, it's good. It's like an okay song. Yeah, it's an okay song. I, I mean, it's um probably the best song is... You know, the Lin-Manuel Miranda song from Encanto is everyone loves Encanto. But um, do, we really want Lin -Man do we really want Lin-Manuel Egot? <laughs> I don't know. He's had a lot. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I do because he should have won for that song from Moana, which was the That's best true. song. That's true. That, that song was iconic. And also, I love that girl's voice. What Ali'i Cravalho? What are we doing with her right now? Yeah, and I think she's um, turning sixteen or something. Yeah, right. so she's yeah, right. She's like nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and none, and none for no time to die. Yeah, billion. Which and their, listen, I, I've already strong. apologized for saying that the song was good a year ago, two years ago. But um, I also hate it even more now, having seen the film, which is one of the worst movies I saw last year. It was so like by the book. I'm so shocked when a movie like uh, when a James Bond movie lacks real identity because it's got to have some rad gimmick that makes mm -hmm. it the new one, you know, and this one was missing that. Um, yeah, No Time to Die. Well, actually, based on how long it takes to get through that fucking song, there's plenty of time to die. And I wish I had. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what clever ways Lewis can yeah. say this is a slow song. My last, <laughs> uh, my last point uh, on the Oscars, and this is, you know, on like the whole gaga brouhaha. I do think that she is invested in being like a serious actress. Definitely. Yeah. And so I want fans to take in the fact that once you are invested in a serious actress, unfortunately, your favorite performances that they do probably won't even get nominated. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. This, this learn the ropes. Yeah, this is all part of it. Yeah. So, welcome to the Oscars, little monsters. <laughs> you 30-something glee fans or whatever the fuck you are. Yeah. Yeah. 30-something yeah. yeah. glee fans who live in Brooklyn who have an OnlyFans account. That those right. are little monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. When we're back, it's time to keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. Lewis, I feel you have an addendum on the Oscars. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I wasn't done. Yeah, Were you worried about that? Long <laughs> he's telling you he's not going. <laughs> uh, my Keep It is to basically the entire conversation around Nicole Kidman in being the Ricardos, which I feel like I go out to a party and inevitably I end up talking about the Oscars due to my disorder. And people will say things like, oh, but Lucy was so joyless or Lucy was such a bitch or whatever. The whole point of the movie is that you're not getting the person who was uh, like the, the character who is in I Love Lucy. So to be shocked that you're seeing somebody who is less than quote unquote likable, my least favorite word in regards to any movie, um, shouldn't be, it just shouldn't be a surprise. And also, I, I find that there is this shady streak online of people being like, particularly after these nominations of uh, people saying, uh, wow, they nominated three out of the four central performances, but not the best one. Guys, Nina Arianda, very talented 
uh, Broadway actress who plays uh, Vivian Vance in Being the Ricardos. She has like a scene and a half. A scene and a half. She is not the central performance in the movie. And for you to say she is better than Nicole Kidman in this movie is straight up disrespect. Nicole Kidman was amazing in this movie. And I like that she didn't recog- uh, didn't resemble Lucy one super physically or two the Lucy we kind of thought we knew because what she added to me felt organic and believable. Like, wouldn't Lucy be that sort of like unamused with like wasting time, unamused with like the predicament she finds herself in in this movie? I understand that Aaron Sorkin is like a handful in terms of the amount of story and amount of dialogue he throws at a movie. And routinely, I do not like his movies. I'm not a fan of, for example, Steve Jobs. But I thought Nicole Kidman more than carried her weight in this movie and deserves the respect that she is getting. I mean, and she's also similar to most protagonists in a Sorkin film anyway. Yeah, right. You know, so like the, the, and so like calling her out for being likable just feels a little misogynistic because he doesn't do likable protagonists. No, it's usually it's it's a maniac who thinks he's too who who thinks he's smarter than the room, and other people are sort of quibbling to get his attention, and, uh, and that's exactly who she lo- is in the film. Right? Yes, exactly. So we need this one time. So this is just another chapter of Molly's wonderful game. But honestly, I think one of the most interesting things he's done uh, lately is sort of the casting of this film because you know, he does come from the theater. And I think that there is something to be said about, you know, you're taking on a character um, and you give your best representation of what you think the essence of that character is. You know, it's like there are thousands of productions, you know, of like Tennessee Williams plays, you know, and Shakespeare plays, you know, Tragedy of Macbeth, for instance, you know. Uh, and all those people don't look the same. You know, you're never going to go see a Macbeth and see uh, a Lady Macbeth look the exact same in each production, right. you know? And it's, it's, it's an interpretation, an artistic interpretation. And I think that film should be a bit more artistic instead of, um, oh, this person looks exactly like this person. Right. It's a satisfying to say on Twitter, like to play, you know, gay casting super god and be like, you know, whomever. Rosamund Pike should play Martina Navratilova. They look alike. Look, but that's not the same thing as that person should play that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, I just want to say J.K. Simmons getting in over Mike Faced in uh, West Side Story. OK, we messed up on that one. We messed up on that one. Oh, my king. Mike, if you want some consoling. OK. D- DM, DM me. DM me, baby. <laughs> Uh, oh God! And Francis Your massage Mc- account. Yeah. <laughs> and Frances McDormand, if you want some consoling too, you know, like she was I'll, fucking rad in that movie. I I'll loved get a fucking beer with you. Macbeth. Yeah, play the in your jug band or whatever it is you do in your spare time. <laughs> Me or Francis? No, Francis, you do not have a jug band. <laughs> <laughs> I was the lead singer of the Archies. <laughs> Aida. Um, I keep it. I I think we have backed corporations into a corner and they don't know what to do. So they send you emails at 1201 on February 1st apologizing for like the Nat Turner rebellion or something <laughs> for them not being aware of it. And I don't know who to blame. Maybe it's like Sean King or I don't know. I don't know. But I woke up on February 1st with maybe 30 emails from the likes of Petco Starbucks and like Sephora apologizing for never having my shade. Just saying happy Black History Month 
And we want you people to know. Sorry for you people. It was like in strikeout. You people was in strikeout. And they said, just we're we're present, we're aware, and we want you to know that we're celebrating our black employees this month. We're not giving them any more money, but we are celebrating them. We're like giving them a pat on the back. And then they would have like strategic photos of black people, people with braids, really, just of any color. Um, you know what my takeaway from this is? Why? You are subscribed to too many bailing lists, girl. Mm. I know. <laughs> no, don't. Petco, you sign up that to be, bitch. What? You <laughs> sign up to be in a, to get some discounts because like, I'm still frugal. I'm still a frugal young woman. And then you get stuck. You get stuck and you unsubscribe and it says 10 days until this takes activation. And then those 10 days, those 10 days pass and you are still a member of their newsletter. It's oh. just an endless cycle. It's a vicious endless cycle. No. Um, are you familiar with the Showtime network? They've got me in their claw now. <laughs> I signed up and I'm stuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, one of my favorite things about these corporate uh, emails and like uh, public statements, like uh, my favorite one from uh, 2020 at the height of the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, Gushers uh, tweeting that they stand with the black community. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was um, like a staple in every black kid's diet. So maybe they are very, <laughs> we were waiting for that. Uh, wet and gushy. Um, <laughs> I love, I fucking love Gushers. That was, that was in my black household. Um, but I will say that um, my favorite thing about these is just how transparent they are. It's sort of like, oh, we, we know that we need to do this. Like it's, it's just as corporate and um, soulless as corporations tweeting out during pride, because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure most of you um, listening have seen different iterations of a thread where they point out um, companies who make statements during Black History Month who have donated to um, Republicans who are taking away Black people's voting rights. <laughs> so, like, it's well, they all just want to take smoke and mirrors. They just mm-hmm. want to take the booths away. Okay, that's not really about <laughs> taking away the votes. Okay, it's let's get technical. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they want to install John Wilt's booth. <laughs> a statue thereof right yes uh to, to, to just watch over the proceedings mm-hmm. he he was also snubbed in the best actor category this year by the way it's a real shame he is a man of the theater so that's right yes yeah. yeah so instead of you know having to leaf through all of these emails from corporations i do have suggestions for three actually interesting places you can go this black history month for black content duh the new york times 1619 Project. Well, I'll just repeat that a million times until they start teaching it at schools. The Root has a really cool breakdown of Presents Black History and its interactive timeline. It really has everything, like even when I was born. So just go jump in there. You can look in there and see. Even, <laughs> even Ira. Ira getting his very first job at BuzzFeed is right there in the interactive timeline. And I also... That's I'm, history. It the is. timeline actually veers off course right then. It yeah. does. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the Black Film Archive, which we've talked about here on the podcast, made a oh, list. Yes. Maya S. Cade made a list of 28 Black films for the 28 Black Days of History Month that you can actually watch. And on it are just amazing films like the lesser-known Julie Dash film, The African Nun. The Diary of an African Nun is amazing. You should go watch that. Just go look through her list. There's so many things to watch. They're on Criterion. Some of them are on YouTube. Some of them are on Netflix and other streaming services. So it's... um pretty pretty accessible but it's go soul do that. man on the it's soul man on the list yes it's 29 it's number 29 <laughs> don't worry don't worry wait is some is uh, is morgan fairchild and soul man mm, no yes i am talking about the film where c thomas howell wears blackface um to get into college <laughs> you know what 
Honestly, I would love to remake the film Soul Man. So if anyone would let me, call a brother up. Ira, what's your keep it this week? My keep it goes to the never-ending divorce proceedings of Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Mm-mm-mm. That's fair. I, first of all, we all know that this nigga loves to get wild every time he has an album allegedly coming out. Down to two. Like, the, the Donda Don, Don two. Uh, <laughs> There's no uh, way it's not called Donda Donda, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's like clockwork. There's always something manic and, it, like, insane that happens um as the lead up to him releasing an album. And this is no exception. I don't need to see text messages between you and like Kim's family members asking for her number. Come on. Mm. It's what, and it's and at this point, my keep it is to anyone who still texts Kanye West, because you know, he screenshots your texts. Right. They're not but that's safe. why they do it, right? They're they're into that, right? Like, oh, he'll screenshot this and post it or something. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I don't know if the cousin who asked him uh, about buying Yeezys on StockX uh, <laughs> <laughs> really wanted that screenshot. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's very uncomfortable. And it's also, it's also like him attempting to, like, get um the general public on his side uh especially in the sense of claiming that you know um his daughter is on um tiktok and you know is this dangerous for her and it's like okay you know what's dangerous for your daughter for your black daughter is you reposting candace owens (laughs) (laughs) okay because truly hanging out with trump yeah right okay because if candace owens gets anywhere near uh north uh she's gonna throw away all her hair care products for one mm-hmm. <laughs> and just buy go. one which is a straightener <laughs> where she flies into <laughs> yeah i i i don't understand i i feel bad because all of this is being cataloged in the internet forever for people like north who are going to look back on this time and have to still claim those people as her parents like that that is the that's what i'm starting to feel a deep sadness for north and the kids <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and then the entire thing is sponsored by Balenciaga. Ugh, we see those uh, awkward ads of Kim Kardashian modeling for Balenciaga, where she looks <laughs> in the mirror of the bag. It's just so uncomfortable. Everything about them is so uncomfortable at this point, and stiff and plastic and loud for no reason and wrong. Meanwhile, meanwhile Kanye and like his new girlfriend Julia Fox as well look like look like vampires who've just stormed the bronze. You know, like, Muslim, like, Muslim like where is Buffy? Where is Buffy when you need her? No, Julia Fox looks like she's in a sexy reboot of Goth Talk on SNL. Like she's the <laughs> Molly Shannon character. For her too, I'm like, are you not? Em- are you not embarrassed? Embarrassed. <laughs> like, this is this is truly what I cannot understand. What is going through Julia Fox's mind? Um, I can't. No. I can't. Like looking back at these photos of yourself. Like, do do you think you look cool? <laughs> right. It's it's a very hard lacquer kind of outfit. The sex must be great. I guess. If they have time to have it. I don't know. Something about that is working very hard to stay relevant and stay around. I don't know. That's fair. And she's working real hard for what she's after. 
Mm-hmm. She's and putting if in I the see work. her step out in a headscarf one more time that resembles a hijab, and then Vogue France goes, "Wow, <laughs> love your headscarf, <laughs> nigga." Did y'all just ban hijabs? Shut the oh, fuck up. Oh yes, keep it to Vogue France who had to apologize for saying headscarfs are in. <laughs> <laughs> Islamophobia oh, wow. is also in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's our show this week. Happy Black History Month. Week one down, guys. Let's see what happens in the following. It started out so well, but I think Black History Month went downhill once Moses told us to watch Ozark. And that's what it was. <laughs> and that was mm-hmm, the big bang of it all. Yeah. was yeah. right there in that moment. The timeline veered off course again. <laughs> 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 Thank you to Nicole Byer for joining us this week. And we'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Caroline Reston. And our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. But I, Louis Fertel, do a good job too. Our audio engineers are Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin. And the show is mixed and edited by Charlotte Landis. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Melkonian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador.